You are listening to Concert Blast. This is Mike Arnold, bringing you the recap of the Memphis and May Bill Street Music Festival, day number one, Friday. Actually, we recorded our show live there in Memphis at the festival. However, we had some technical difficulties with our audio recorder, and so I am going to give you the recap after (laughs) we've already attended the festival. Day number one, Friday, May 3rd, we had all kinds of fun Rained all day, had a great trip from Nashville to Memphis. By the time we got to Jackson, it came a downpour from Jackson to Memphis. Thankfully, the rain stopped for the festival. However, it did get very cold. It got down to the uh, low 40s, actually. So, recap day number one. Here we go. So, the concert blast team that went was actually Brian Hasbrook, Tom Thompson, our helper Steve Shattuck, who actually did a lot of videoing, and myself went. This trip, we tried to do a documentary. I'm not sure how good it's going to turn out. We're going to try to piece something together later. Steve was there on hand to do a lot of video of us, not necessarily of the festival itself, but of us. We arrived at our hotel in Memphis, Tennessee, checked in, very nice hotel, it's the Doubletree Hotel there in Memphis, got the hot cookies, checked into our rooms and unpacked. I wasn't expecting it to be that cold, it was in the low 40s in Memphis, it was in the upper 60s to low 70s in Nashville when we left on our road trip. Like I said, the weather was beautiful when we parted cloudy skies in Nashville, Tennessee when we left. By the time we reached our West Tennessee lunch destination in Jackson, Tennessee, which is, by the way, always Casey Jones Old Country Store. If you've ever been there, it's it's uh, exit 80A, and man, we love that place. Tom claims it's the best place to eat in the world. The rain began to, sl- to fall slowly. Now, when we got there, it was like I said, it was just a little sprinkle. But by the time we left from eating... Got it back on the interstate going towards Memphis, about five miles down the road from Jackson, Tennessee, was the biggest downpour. And then there was all kinds of traffic jams and wrecks and just like people hydroplaned. I mean, it took us a while to get from Jackson to Memphis. We got to Memphis, checked into our hotel, the Doubletree Hotel there in Memphis, and it's a beautiful place. Uh, they uh, had a warm cookie for us as we got in and went into our hotel room and uh, bundled up with some more clothes. I got there and I realized that I didn't really have anything heavy to wear. So Brian actually brought an extra hoodie for me. So when actually not for me, but for somebody, because he says I felt like somebody else is going to need some a hoodie or something. He brought that. 
I took it gladly, and I'm still cold <laughs> after all that. I was just expecting to wear a T-shirt, long sleeve shirt, or something like that. It didn't work out that way. Like I said, it was like 43 degrees is what it said on the television when we left the hotel room. We were going to the festival. We have our little secret, what we call our secret destination parking lot, but we park in the same area every year for free. We park, walk down to the festival gates, checked into the media. There we met our friends, or I would say our friends slash acquaintances that we see every year, one time a year. We're glad to see each other. We hug each other. They asked us about how our trip was from Nashville to Memphis. They uh, thanked us for coming back out. It's just great to be welcomed by a staff who uh, appreciates you coming down there to provide your uh, media coverage of the festival. We all enjoyed it. Gave our hugs and hellos and swapped different conversations about what's going on over the weekend. After we checked into our media area, we decided to walk around the area and we started recording our audio podcast, in which we found out two days later that our audio recorder was dying a slow death. On the first night, it was just very, very weak. And if I tried to rescue it, it'd be a loud hum, and it wouldn't be worth uh, listening to. So I just scratched it all and decided to start over. And unfortunately, when I start over, I have to start by myself because Brian and Tom are in different areas of the city, and they have very busy schedules. And since I'm the editor, I have to go in and record and edit when I can. And that doesn't always fit their schedule as well. So I told them that I would just kind of take over this recording of the podcast, which they didn't mind. So after we started doing our um, what they call the back path walk, which is the path that goes around the backside by the Mississippi River, up and down the Mississippi River, there's a, a sidewalk. It's a it's more like a one-lane road, and that's where all the tour buses come in and out and all the artists come in and out. And that's where we, the media, walk up and down to the different sections of the stage. Now, this year, we were confronted by a security guy on a golf cart, and he stopped us, and he said, "Uh, let me see your pass. And we showed him our media passes, and he says, you're not allowed back here. We said, wait a minute. We've always been back here. So I thought, well, this is a new guy, and he just needs to be instructed on the rules and regulations of what people can and cannot do. Now, I did notice that there weren't as many people on what we call the media path. He called it the back path. I was thinking, hmm, this is strange. So I went up to one of our acquaintances, friends, who has the middle stage, and I told her what the guy told me. She goes, yes, Mike, they changed the rules this year. I said, well, what's the new rules? They said, no volunteers and no media are allowed on that path unless they are they have an escort by one of us. I went, wow, that is that's a big difference right there because it saves us tons of time to walk from one stage to the next going on that path instead of going through the crowd. And now we have to schedule our time differently and make sure we have plenty of time to go from one stage to the other. The other thing is we can go on that path as long as we have that golf cart escort from the media trailer people, and that's us. So we have to find someone to uh, drive the golf cart to escort us to the one stage to the next. 
That way we can get to one area to the next, but we cannot hang out there at the stage. So what I used to do, Tom and I used to do our commentary from that path, looking at the stage and recording our live clips. It's a great area to do that. You're not surrounded by a bunch of people talking over the music or anything or over the artist that's uh, on stage. But we had to deal with it because uh, that's the new rules this year. So we got off the media path, walked through the crowd, and then we decided to go find our sponsor for the festival. At the festival, we have a sponsor called the Best Around Food Concessions. Now, they had four different food concessions throughout the park. So this was a perfect sponsor to have because... No matter what area we're in at the festival, there's going to be our sponsor there. And they're always wanting us to try different foods that they made up. And everything was cooked to order for us, too. And for everybody there, actually. So if you ever had a festival and the best all-around food concessions are there, go there. It's fresh and it's hot and it is really good. So we said hello to a couple of the people at the food concessions. And we finally ran into... uh Mike McGrath and Kevin McGrath, who actually own and operate the best all-around food concession. We got to know one of the ladies at one of the food concessions, and when she was so friendly with us, we just went to her every time. (laughs) Kevin, one night, actually stopped us, and he says, Hey, have y'all tried the red velvet funnel cake? We went, man, that sounds pretty unique. We'd like to try it. So he went in there, he says, Fix a funnel cake, a red velvet funnel cake for these guys out here. And Tom said... I think I'd rather have fries than a funnel cake. Kevin looked at the other side of the trailer, and he says, fix them up with some fries. You want chili and cheese on it? And he goes, sure. So they they really took care of us really well. I've got to say, the best around food concessions. I called them throughout the, the whole weekend as the best all around because they were had the best and friendliest staff and the best food. Of course, I have me a Philly cheese steak sandwich. Mm. And the red velvet funnel cake was very good. It was very good. I told Kevin, I said, we're going to fight over this. He goes, no need to fight. There's more. Come on back. Get some more. Man, they treated us like gold, and we really appreciate it. Saved us tons of money, and uh, we just thank you. So we went and got acquainted with everybody there in that area. And then we began the music coverage by checking out uh, one of the Bands that are now located in London, England. It's called the Joy Formidable. And it's a three-piece band. Now, on the left-hand side, if you're facing the stage, is the bass player. In the middle is the lead singer and the guitarist, a female. Her name is Ritzy. And on the right-hand side is the drummer. The drummer on the right-hand side, he if you ever seen Night Ranger, he set up his drums like Kelly Keggy. So it's on the side of the stage, right up front, and it's facing the other band members. So it's like one, two, three, right across the stage. And you see the Joy Formidable was really good, very unique, young sound, and we enjoyed it. Joy Formidable had about 1,500 people at their stage, but everybody was there 
really enjoyed their music and they was getting into it. They weren't just there to play and let people talk. They were there to put on a show, talked about their new album coming out, and, and they played some songs from that. We enjoyed their show for a while and decided to uh, check out the next stage, which was one of Tom's favorite bands, The Wallflowers. So we watched Jacob Dillon and his bandmates perform several numbers, including the song Three Marlinas. They're not a real hard rocking band or anything, but they got a nice groove and a very nice sound and uh, very unique, too. They also, what I liked was they did a cover of the Box Tops hit. Now, the Box Tops is a band from Memphis, and they did a, their hit of the song, The Letter. I'm sure Valletta was a tribute to the Memphis artist. So after about 30 minutes of watching the Wallflowers, we decided to pay a visit to our sponsor again. Hey, it was dinner time now, so we, uh, we grabbed our dinner and then went back to the trailer to warm up a little bit to uh, get ready for Shell Crow. On the way back to the media trailer was the famous guitarist, Inve Malmsteen. performing in front of a wall of stacked martial amps. Now, I'm not talking about two or three. I'm talking more like about probably eight to ten double-stacked cabinets, martial amps, going across the stage, and he's standing in front of them just wailing out on his guitar. Super fast guitarist, and he had the smoke machines going off on each side with the effects from the lights. It really looked neat. And he he still sounds really good. Still plays super fast on the guitar. We watched him perform for a little while before heading back to the media trailer. Warmed up a little bit, and that's when we got ready for Show Crow. Well, we walked into the media trailer and discovered something. All the photographers there were bellyaching about something. They were upset that Show Crow decided not to let any photographers into the photo pit at her show. 
and all of them were bad-mouthing her and all. And I said, oh, hold on just a second. I don't care. She's got a super set. She's going to be doing the greatest hits. I'm going to be there. And Tom was saying, I'm going to be there, too. Brian, on the other hand, was joining the other photographers because he got to know them real well. And he said, oh, it's the same thing you've seen for the last five or six years. I'm good without her. I'm going to take pictures of other people. But what you don't realize, Brian has a, I think it's a 300-millimeter camera lens. It's about a foot long. He could take pictures in the back. He could take pictures 100 yards away and still get good photos. But he still wants to be in the pit. If he does, if he can't be in the pit, he's not interested in trying to fight and elbow the crowd to get a good shot of Shell Crow. Well, on his defense, I have to say it's kind of hard when you got tall people in front of you, people wearing hats, people clapping and waving their hands up, or that we witnessed all weekend, people with their cell phones trying to do the video. But anyway, Tom and I, along with Steve, went down to see Shell Crow. While Brian decided to take photos of other artists, we waited for her to come out. She finally came out, hit the stage with the uh, one of my favorites, Steve McQueen. I want to rock and roll this party. I still want to have some fun. I want to leave you feeling breathless. Show you how the West was won. But I got to Right after Steve McQueen, she went right into the big hit, All I Want to Do is Have Some Fun. first song cheryl did say man it's freezing out here <laughs> i would think the stage lights would keep her a little bit warmer then she said last time she was playing memphis in may bill street music festival she got into four songs before they pulled the set because of the downpour rain the tornadoes in the area as well as lightning striking so they closed the park and pulled her off stage after only four songs we were there when we were leaving during that time so we know all about it that was one of the hardest rainstorms i've ever been in especially being outside in cheryl continued this hit after hit after hit she did a couple of new ones in there but she mentioned that her children were in the uh the bus the tour bus asleep she says now it's pretty neat when mommy gets to go to work after the kids go to sleep that way we don't miss each other but another neat thing is is that when we watch movies together, for instance, the cartoon movie Cars. They get to hear Mommy's work on that movie, as she did Real Dawn. We've been driving this road for a mighty long time, paying no mind to the signs. Well, this neighborhood's changed, it's all been rearranged. We left that team somewhere behind. So 
We watched a little bit more of Joel Crow and decided, hey, it's time to check out other stuff. So I have to say, Brian was kind of right that, you know what, after you've seen her perform all of her hits before, it's not much different. But I still enjoy it. But since there's so many other acts to watch, we think it's time to go watch others since we've seen her before. So we went to go check out some more acts. I went to check out uh, the Deftones, and man, there was a lot of profanity, more of a hard rock kind of sound. So we left there, and I wanted to go take in some Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. I had seen them before. Actually, last year I had seen them perform in Nashville at the Ryman Auditorium, and it was I enjoyed it pretty good. Lead singer Alex Ebert, who was getting the crowd really into it. Actually, he was down like in the photo pit area, standing on top of the fence, waving his arms up and down, trying to get everybody to sing, and he didn't have to try too hard because the crowd of about... Oh, 10,000 or so that were there were really into his show. Crow had about 10-15,000 people at her at her stage too. So everybody seemed like they had a lot of people at their stage except for the first stage which was the Deftones and the George Formidable and also uh Invade Mumstein. They had about 3,000 by the time everybody got there and got settled into the festival. After watching part of Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros, Tom, Steve, and I then went down and got ready for Daryl Hall and John Oates to perform their set. Now, they took the stage late and uh, didn't say much at all, and I don't know, it's just like, I'm here and you're there and I'm gonna, we're gonna perform some songs. I'm not really sure I'm too keen on their live act, especially what we saw at the beginning of the show. So actually, their show started off kind of boring. So we left after about five songs. It never got any better. They'd play a song, and then look at each other and talk, tune. I'm going, eh, you know, they're really not getting into it. So Steve and Tom left, and they went to go catch uh, Alice in Chains, while I wanted to experience the electronic sounds of Bass Nectar. Now, Bass Nectar, for the last two years, has performed in Nashville, Tennessee, at the big arena, Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, and has sold it out two years in a row on New Year's Eve. Even when there's a free show going on the street in front of the arena with 50,000 people there, 
They still sold it out with like uh, fourteen to eighteen thousand people inside the arena. I don't know how many tickets they sold, but it was sold out both years. So Bass Nectar's DJ skills had a large crowd of about 15,000 jumping and dancing and yelling along with all the beats. The smoke and the lights made for great effects. His jumping up and down, he was actually jumping up and down, literally, on the stage throughout all the music, which caused an effect for the people in the crowd to do the same. (laughs) It was like a big party. What was really neat? is the people not only in the crowd, but the people in the VIP section where there's chairs, where people usually sit in their chairs and they clap politely. But no, in the VIP section during Bass Nectar, these people were jumping up and down and screaming and having a blast. They were they were just having a lot of fun. And they probably had the largest crowd of the night, like I said, of about 15,000 or so. I went back down to catch some more of Hollow Notes to see if they've improved any, and they did. They had the crowd singing along to their hits, and even Cheryl Crow came out to uh, join in as a backup singer. Their show definitely got much better as the night continued, and the crowd got into it more, too. What I want! Notes, it was more of a huge rock party. I mean, they were getting the people to sing along to all the songs. It became a really good show about halfway through. I watched a couple of more songs, and during Sarah Smiles, I said, you know what? I don't want to stand here in, in this mud watching a slow song in a rock concert. So I said, I'm going to go check out Alice in Chains. I took off to catch some of their set, but by the time I got there, they were closing out their set. And Tom and Steve had uh, loved their set. That's probably their favorites of the night. I thought it was okay. The band sounded great. I'm just not a huge fan of their music. Night one of the Bill Street Music Festival was a lot of fun, but it was very cold. As Sheryl Crow said after her first song, it's freezing. Brian was busy all night taking photos of the various acts while Tom, Steve, and I were, were reporting live 
into a dead audio recorder. And we didn't know it until two days later. So at least it didn't rain on us. I have to say, it did not rain while we were there at the festival. It was just cold. To tell you how cold it was, by the time we got back to our hotel room, it had frost on all the cars that were sitting in the parking lot. And being the first weekend in May is incredible to have that frost on people's cars. Because this time last year when we were there, we were putting sunscreen on. We were trying to keep from getting sunburned. We were sweating, burning up hot. And we didn't go into the media trailer to warm up. We went into the media trailer to cool down. <laughs> so it was a complete different gear, complete different weather aspects. It didn't rain at all on us last year until the very last day. We want to thank everybody for listening to Concert Blast, and we apologize once again for our audio recorder going out when we didn't even know it was going out. You know, if we'd have known the first night, we could have went and bought a new one on Saturday before the, the festival, but we didn't know at the time. We want to thank the best around food concessions, which we call them the best all-around food concessions, for uh, sponsoring Concert Blast throughout this festival. Each day of the festival really did a great job, and we thank them. They're from Fort Myers, Florida. They came up here with a team of about 16 with four to five different trailers, and they really did a great job on serving and cooking up the food. I hope they had a really good profit. And like I said, if you ever see them out at a festival, tell them Concert Blast said hello, and tell them that we appreciate them sponsoring us. We hope they continue to do this year after year uh, at the Memphis and May Bill Street Music Festival. I asked Kevin how long he had been at the Bill Street Music Festival, and he said for the last 10 years he has. So they've been around the area for a long time, and we thank them so much for sponsoring Concert Blast on this weekend. We also thank the Memphis and May Bill Street Music Festival staff for inviting Concert Blast to cover the festival we always have a great time with them they're super people we they take great care of the media by giving us a trailer to to rest in to work in to eat in <laughs> to warm up in as we did this year we also want to thank all you people listening make sure you catch us on facebook and it's facebook.com slash concert blast page you can also email us with your suggestions, ideas, and what you think about our show. Concertblast at gmail.com. We thank you once again for everybody who listened. For Brian, for Tom, and for this show, for Steve, good night. And until next time, God bless you. I want to thank you for letting me be myself again. I didn't get it. My voice is too rough right now. <laughs>